Welcome back. It's another episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm your host this week, Alex Cohen. And to listen to all past, present, and future episodes, make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. Fun episode today. It is well, now it's the dog days of summer. And first off, our guest, not new, not old, not new, but not really new to the Iowa Cubs front office. It's the recently promoted manager of media relations for the Iowa Cubs, Colin Connolly joins us. Colin, I would ask you how you're doing, but considering I work with you and I live with you, I already know the answer to those questions. But for the fans listening in, how you doing, man? Like, how's the first year with the iCubs going? Great. It's been awesome. Uh, it's been a great experience. The weather's finally nice now. It feels like summer, so uh, it's, it's good. I'm looking forward to some, some nice baseball. So you drove out here during March Madness, and I remember your, your first week you know, coming into the office, it was like 30 degrees. And it was just like a flashback to 2019 when we're doing all the media stuff, and you know, April 7th rolls around, and it's 35 degrees, but slowly but surely, weather gets nicer. You've taken up golf. I mean, that was one of the things that kind of puts you in your zen mentality. You take up golf. It must be fun, right? Oh, it's amazing, yeah. Um, I am terrible. So it's not very relaxing. I get pretty frustrated out there, but it is fun. Uh, like you said, I'm taking it up this summer, first summer trying to play. So, um, yeah, it's it's a fun time. They, they say Colin is terrible, but he had a par on his third hole and he said more pars in five weeks than I've had in five years, which is great. Uh, <laughs> how's your first year with the I-Cubs going? I, I know that this has been a different year when it comes to baseball and fans finally coming back into the ballpark, but not at full capacity and COVID protocols. I'm sure this is not what your first year that you imagined, uh, but what's it been like for you so far? Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience, but I think it has been for everybody. Um, like you mentioned with the protocols and everything, um, everybody's kind of been going on with the season, um, just trying to learn as we go. Uh, so it's been good. Um, I've definitely learned a lot as we've gone, just even in the short time that I've been here, the month that I've been here, um, learned a lot, but uh, it's been it's been a good summer. I'm looking forward to keeping it going. All right, so let's go back to 2019. You joined the Iowa Cubs. Media relations intern under the great Shelby Cravens, who, you know, is now off to bigger and better things with the Colorado Rockies, big-leaguing us whenever she decides to finally answer her text messages five days later. Uh, on the surface, a fun year. You know, I-Cubs win the PCL American Northern Division title. They go to the playoffs for the first time in a decade. Major League rehabbers, Craig Kimbrell, Wilson Contreras, Ben Zobris, Albert Amora. What was that season like for you? I know that was your first year working in minor league baseball, but... Yeah, you come here to Iowa. What were your expectations, and how did they either surpass or meet them? And what was that season like for you? Yeah, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, that was just my internship, so it was actually how I finished my last semester of college um, and graduated. So I didn't know what to expect coming in, but as you said, learning under Shelby, and obviously now she's in the major league, so pretty good person to learn under. Um, she taught me a lot, and with all the rehabbers here, it was cool to see them interact with the players um, that had been here throughout the year and. Shelby said that in 2018 we didn't win many games, and then we came and won we the division not. title. So, right. uh, yeah, it, it was a great year. Um, fun team to watch, for sure. So you came from the state of Washington. You went to Washington State. You were a Coug. And you know, just what was the process of applying to a job to work in baseball and then finally making out here and doing it? There's not many people who start their minor league baseball career working for a AAA team. And I think you know that, but what was the process when you were in college and you were a writer then um, working in minor league baseball, deciding to work in minor league baseball, deciding to apply, and then eventually doing it? 
Yeah, so I knew I always loved baseball um, and loved sports in general. So I wanted to be working in the sports field. Um, and I, originally I thought I wanted to do broadcasting. That turned into writing. This is your practice for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that turned into more on the writing side um, and just interacting with players and stuff. So I, that's where I knew I wanted to go. Um, I don't know really how it all happened, honestly. Just applied to a bunch of jobs um, after my junior year, tried to work that summer. Um, I didn't get too much, so I just did some work at, with the college um, teams in my hometown in Washington. Um, and then my senior year over winter break, I applied to a few internships and thankfully got this one here in Iowa and um, moved out to Iowa two months later. Did, so. did, did you know where Iowa was on a map? I mean, I know because I'm from Pennsylvania and, and my friends, when I tell them or when I told them that I was moving to Iowa, they're like, oh, Illinois. I'm like, no, yeah, not that far. Oh, Idaho. I'm like, not even close. You're now moving further. When you told that your fa- you told your family that you were going to Iowa, did they even know where it was on a map? So they knew where it was, but uh, a lot of people just asked me like how the cornfields are and oh, like what's there to do in Iowa and stuff. So Don't stereotype us. <laughs> yeah, so they knew maybe where it was, but uh, didn't really know quite what there was to do out here. Um, and I didn't either, so I really just took a leap of faith. Like I said, it was a great opportunity. Um, a lot of people asked me once I got out here like how it all happened, how I ended up in Iowa being from Washington. And um, yeah, just this opportunity with the iCubs brought me out here and I've loved it so what have you thought of Iowa I mean it's a lot different than the state of Washington I mean the state of Washington it rains 60 percent of the time and then when it does rain it's 75 and sunny here you really have four seasons um coming here to Iowa a place that you've never been to before you know what was your initial experience like and how have you liked it so far yeah, so I'd say it rains about 95% of the time in Washington. But the other 5% it's great. <laughs> yeah, the 5% it is nice. Um, the biggest difference for me in Iowa, the humidity. It kills me. So definitely not used to that, but I do like the nice weather. Um, actually being in, in, able to enjoy the sunshine and warm weather in the summer, um, that's definitely nice. Now your first summer in Iowa in 2019, were you able to do the staples like the farmer's market downtown, the, the Iowa State Fair, which I know is tough just because it's right in the middle of baseball season. Um, were you able to do any of that stuff? So I actually lived downtown my first year here in 2019, so I was able to check out the farmer's market a couple of times. Um, I was not able to do the Iowa State Fair. So we had a homestand and I was planning on going. They're going to listen to this and be really upset. <laughs> yeah. So we have to go this year. Okay, I'm going this year. They came on an interview with me in 2019. They were like, you've been to the Iowa State Fair, right? And I'm like, no, I haven't. <laughs> I, I haven't. And they were like, they looked at me like I had six eyes. So we both have to do that together. Like during a day game on a Sunday, we'll go Sunday night and, and hopefully really enjoy it. But we have to go. Sounds good. I've heard a lot about it. So I do need to make it out. So 2019, you're here. You're living downtown. And I remember... Your parents coming to visit, and your dad, big baseball fan. I mean, he was up in the press box, and I don't think I've ever seen a grown man look so happy to be up here. Um, you said that your dad's a big sports fan, your your dad's a big baseball fan. How cool has it been to kind of immerse them into this life that you're living and have them you know, reap the benefits of that? Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, my dad is a huge Cubs fan, so he was thrilled when I got the Iowa Cubs job just being the AAA affiliate of Chicago Cubs. Um, we were actually playing Memphis when he came, so the AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, he told me that I couldn't work for a team that was the Cardinals uh, affiliate. I'm so. pretty sure if the Cardinals offer you a director <laughs> media relations position, he would rescind that. Yeah, he, he might, but he'd still wear his Cubs stuff. So, uh, no, he's thrilled. That's bold. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, my mom's really excited, so it's been great. They're actually coming out here again in a month. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just being able to come to the ballpark, he loved it. He spent time in the press box. He 
his media pass that I got him still hangs in his working office today. That's all Cubs office. So um, he had a great time and looking forward to come, coming back out. How did your dad become a Cubs fan? I mean, he's not from the Midwest. He's from the West. You're not a Cubs fan. You grew up a Mariners fan. Now you're a Cubs fan, but you grew up a Mariners fan. H how does he become a Cubs fan? So he's uh, from Spokane, Washington, uh, home of Ryan Sandberg. So he grew up watching him um, through high school and college. And then obviously when he became a big player with the Cubs. Um, he was a big fan, so that's actually why I wore number 23 was because my dad was a Sam, uh, Ryan Sandberg fan. So You mean in, in Little League or, or Rec League? Or? Through high school. Okay. Through high school. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he was a big Ryan the Sandberg fan. The water boy fan. got a number? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so yeah, he was a big Sandberg fan, um, so watched him play through his career and having the big years with the Cubs um, made him a Cubs fan. And then I guess lovable losers. He was one of them. So, did you like the Cubs, or like were they your NL team, or was it always just Mariners, 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 Griffey, Buhner, A Rod? Was it you know? Did you have that Cubs as your NL team? Yeah. So the Cubs were my National League team. Everybody always asked me if the Cubs and Mariners played in the World Series, who would I root for? But I don't think I have to worry about that because I don't, don't. think the Mariners are making it. Uh, Not for another 10 years. Yeah, the Cubs got their one. I don't think the Mariners will for a long time. So uh, Yeah, take us through your dad's reaction when the Cubs won the World Series. I know that he's a big Cub fan. Did you watch the game with him? Did you you know watch the World Series with him? And what was his reaction? Were there tears? Yeah, so I was actually um, at college at the time. So we went to Gosh, Game 3. you're young. Yeah, we went, we went to Game 3 of the World Series together. So I actually flew home. Wait, what? Yeah, him and I flew to Chicago. Uh, went to the first game at Wrigley um, and then flew back. We were there for like 24 hours, but went to the game. Uh, they lost. You went to game three of the World Series? I did. I didn't know that. <laughs> I did. So, uh, yeah, so we went to that. They lost one nothing, but it was a great time, obviously. Um, then I flew back to school, made it in time for my Monday night classes. Uh, but I was not home with him. My mom did record it. Um, he and one of his friends that is another huge Cubs fan came over to watch it and they were jumping up and down crying hugging I've never seen two grown men so excited um, so I wish I was there with them but um, it was good I got to see it on video I want to talk more about game three of the World Series you going up to Wrigley Field was that like a spur of the moment thing did you know when the Cubs made it to the World Series all right we're going to go to a game or was it you're looking at stuff up you're looking at stuff up you finally pull the trigger you book the flight and then you go yeah so um, I talked about it with my mom kind of like, hey, we got to make this happen if they go. Didn't want to jinx it, so we weren't going to buy anything ahead of time. Um, they got up big on the Dodgers in game six. Once they got up by like five or six runs, I think, I called my mom. I said, hey, we got we to gotta do this. We got to pull the trigger. And so we were looking at tickets, trying to see if it was even realistic. Um, we actually got seats in the rooftop area because those were the, the only like cheap, decent tickets we could find. And we could only buy them in sets of four. So we just bought them, four tickets, and we were like, we'll figure out what to do. And we just went, we just went for it. And then, as I said, is uh, one of his buddies who's also a Cubs fan. Him and his wife went. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and so we all went together. And yeah, it was great. I've not, like I said, I've never seen my dad I'm so excited. Four World Series tickets you just bought. I want your Amex credit card. It wasn't my money. It was my parents. So I think I think they uh, cut into their savings. But once in a lifetime opportunity. Even though it wasn't the Mariners, were you able to? I mean, obviously you enjoy it's a World Series game, but just. It's your NL team to see your dad that happy. I mean, obviously, you and your dad have a very close relationship. How cool was that? Yeah, it was amazing. Like I said, I don't think I've ever seen him so excited and just, like, childish. Um, he was – I mean, it was just shock. Uh, it was only his second game, my second game as well, at Wrigley. Um, so just being in that atmosphere and then obviously it being the World Series on top of it 
we got in at like 4 a.m. We had a red eye flight and we went straight down to like Wrigleyville and we were just hanging. We were down there at 5 a.m. like all day. The game was at like 7 <laughs> at night. Which is like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Pacific time. So you're just basically pulling an all-nighter. Yeah, we were just there. We went back to the hotel to like sleep for like two hours. Went, woke back up and took the L back and we were just there. So, I mean, there's helicopters flying. There's everybody driving, honking horns. It was an amazing experience. So, Do you have any mementos from that? Do you have like, you know, do you have your ticket? Do you have a newspaper clipping? Do you have a beer glass? Do you have, you know, a stained piece of clothing? Like, do you have anything as a memento? So, unfortunately, I wasn't 21 yet. So, I didn't have a beer, uh, anything alcoholic. Okay, golly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we do have like towels. That, they're like rally towels that have the W on them. We have that. Um, our tickets from the game, and then I bought a World Series hat that has like the World Series patch on it there. Um, so I have all three of those. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. So it, you it are kind of you, you were kind of like a Cubs fan before coming here. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, like I said, I got it from dad and just watching. Obviously, being in Washington, we didn't get WGN games, but whenever they're on MLB Network or, or team in the World Series. You know. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, whenever they're on ESPN or MLB Network, we'd watch, but we'd always be following on the radio and stuff as well. So it was it was a good experience. That's pretty neat. Yeah, a fun introductory start to today's episode of Unwritten Rules here with Cubs media relations manager Colin Connolly. Remember to listen to all past and future episodes of Unwritten Rules. See the schedule of new episodes. Make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out at iowacubs.com. All right, Colin, just a flashback to 2019 before we get into this year. Two years ago, almost to the day, Craig Kimbrell signs with the Cubs, right? He joins the Iowa Cubs for the first two weeks of the season, just getting back into playing shape. Begins the year with us in Sacramento. And then us coming back to Principal Park after that road trip, we're set to have this fairly large press contingent planned for when he comes back. That day rolls around, 9 o'clock in the morning, and you and I get a call from our fearless leader, Shelby, and she sounds like she's on her deathbed. I felt like we were getting punked at first, but it was a really bad case of food poisoning, which, by the way, not an excuse. She did have food poisoning. She's going to kill us if she hears this. Uh, but she can't come to the game. You're running the media ship for the first time. Craig Kimbrell, all-star, going to be a Hall of Famer, just signed with the Cubs, meeting with the Chicago media, thrown into the fire. Colin, this is yours. You take it, you run with it. What's going through your head? Yeah, so I remember two things about that. Um, I remember the day before when you guys were coming back from the road trip, Shelby and I were in the office kind of putting together a plan like, hey, this is going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of people. Um, We had a checklist of all the media people who had – contacted Shelby that they were coming. So we were talking about how we were going to go about it and everything. It's like, okay. So then that day rolls around, and as you said, um, I woke up to a text from Shelby, and I thought it was fake. I thought she was just... Oh, I thought she was punking us. Yeah, I thought she was just messing with me, like, oh, yeah, good one, Shelby. Like, went back to sleep, whatever. I woke back up when it was time to get up, and I realized it was real. So I immediately called you and tried to figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to make it through it. Um, Luckily, I think we we did an all right job. We We survived. We're here to talk about it, so... Um, yeah, we, there's a lot of people here, but um, as you said, just kind of got thrown into the fire, and I mean, I, it was wild. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for lack of better adjectives or more appropriate adjectives, it was wild. Um, what did you learn from that day? Uh, yeah, so I learned what a six-time, eight-time, however many-time all-star uh, looks like and how much the media gravitates towards that when they're in Iowa, um, but also just interacting with media. Um, as I said, Shelby taught me a lot in my time here in 2019, but that day was 
um, just interacting with those people and trying to make sure everybody was on the same page and everybody got what they needed with Craig and also respecting Craig's time knowing that he's a big leaguer and here's here he's here just to get healthy and build up to go help Chicago um, it was it was an interesting day but like I said I think I learned a lot from it just working with everybody and especially Craig yeah, I mean, there's something that stuck out to me. And when you see major league rehabbers here, and especially guys with multiple all-star appearances, future Hall of Famers, you like to see how they interact, right? Interact with the media, interact with the fans, uh, interact with their teammates. And one thing that stuck out to me with Craig was, I think it was 45 minutes before the game, and you and I were both running out to the locker room uh, to go get it. Yeah, I think it was a lineup or a picture of the lineup with Kimbrell on the lineup card because our fans would really like that. And we walk out of the locker room. We're on the outfield warning track, and he's the only person out there signing autographs. I mean, he was you know, lined 200 people deep. Is that something that you notice, or is that something that you do notice when you know guys of that caliber, maybe not just Kimbrell, but I mean, we talked about the rehabbers, Wilson Contreras, Ben Zobris, Albert Almora. Is that something that you notice as well, not only how they interact with the media and with the players, but also the fans, because this is a fan experience here in Iowa? Yeah, I think that's huge, and I think all fans just anticipate guys will sit there and do that, and that's definitely not the case. No, they're, they're here to work. I mean, they're here to get back up to the big leagues and help any team, but, but the Cubs contend for a pennant. Yeah, so I think that was really unique. Um, it definitely did stick out to me. And not only like the fact that he sat there and did it, but like you said, the amount of people that were sitting there waiting, it wasn't a line of five people trying to get a bat or a ball signed. It was, like you said, probably 200 people um, just waiting for him. And he sat there and did it right before game time. So I think that really spoke to um, his character and just the, the kind of classy guy that he was when he was here. He did that and Ben Zobers were the two that really stuck out from that year who took the time, talked to fans, interacted with them, signed autographs, took pictures. I mean... When you have a World Series MVP and then a future Hall of Famer to do that, like you think about that two years, five years, 15 years down the road, that's pretty cool. I mean, like I've been in the business for 12 years. I mean, now you're around these guys every day. You still think back on that. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think Ben Zobris was in Myrtle Beach before he came here he um, building up, and I know he did the same thing there. So the, the fact that he moved up every level and did it at multiple places, um, again, just speaks to the kind of guy he was, so. So we talk about those major league rehab appearances during those days or, or, or during any normal day. I mean, when you talk about a media relations manager, it is all duties as assigned. It's a broad scope of things. You know, what is your day-to-day or what do you think will be your day-to-day once things return back to normal? Take us through the life uh, a day as a media relations manager. Yeah, so the first thing, come in and um, make stat packs for both you, the broadcaster, and also the managers and coaches out in the clubhouses. Um, they like to see the stats, get their splits on everybody. Um, so Marty can make sure he writes in the right lineup if we're facing the lefty or righty. Um, then working on the game notes, again, for the broadcasters mostly, um, and just getting those stats out those there. Those darn broadcasters, <laughs> yeah. such divas. They're, they're a pain. They're brutal. <laughs> such no. weird guys. So working on the game notes, updating everybody's stats, um, all of the information, just so you have stuff to talk about throughout your broadcast, throughout your nine innings. Um, and then also working on roster moves, I think is the big part, um, talking to Marty, talking to Jason Carr with Chicago, making sure that everybody knows that we're all on the same page, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, um, getting an, ac- an accurate roster out um, so we can play a game that night. How you described it is so easy, but in 2021, it's really difficult you know, when it comes to baseball, media responsibilities with the protocols. You have to do the majority of your planning, organizing, communications through a cell phone. 
because you can't be down on the field as much as you want to or in the locker room as much as you want to. What has that been like for you? I mean, Marty, and, and I, you could tell me this or not, I think Marty, ICUB's manager, has been great this year, uh, being you know communicative and talking with you, but having your first year as a director, as a manager, media relations, leading a department, and being handcuffed like that because of you know COVID protocols, what's that been like for you? Yeah, as I said earlier, I think everybody this year is kind of learning and having a new experience. Um, it's been frustrating at times just not being able to go out and talk to Marty and say, hey, what's going on, and having to call him if he's on the, the other line with somebody or if he doesn't have his phone on him, then I can't reach him. Um, so it makes it difficult. As you said, he has been great. He's helped me out a lot. Um, this being my first year, I knew there'd be a lot of learning curves just at all, but having um, no communication out there in the clubhouse face to face makes it that much more difficult so him being on top of things and giving me a call and letting me know what's going on has been huge um, this year so he's helped a lot but yeah it's been difficult at times um, even just getting certain media members interviews that they want player interviews coach interviews um, I don't even see those players like I would normally just go out in the clubhouse and say hey what what works for you I have to see them I mean, that's, a, that's a big part of your job I mean I, as somebody who's been in that position at the lower minor league level, you know, a director of broadcasting, director of media relations, like our job is to talk to the players and be that medium between them, the local and the national media. And a big part of that is being up close in person. You haven't been able to do that. So that has to be crazy tough. Yeah, it's it's a hard spot because I like building relationships with the guys and not just being always the person that's going out there and asking them for, hey, can you do this interview? Hey, can you sign this? That's kind of a hard look, and it makes me look like I'm just always needy. So I like being out there and getting to know the guys on more of an actual personal level and working with them, um, letting them know if they need anything, I can help them. Um, But I haven't really been able to do that this year, so it's definitely been different. Um, And Like you said, it's a big part of the job working with the media and trying to get them the players that they need for their stories. and when I can't go out and just ask them, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Dealing with all Tommy Burgess requests, right? Yeah, he's got a lot of them for he, me. He does. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not one to give compliments, especially to you, because I live with you. But I, I think that you've done a great job. Yeah, what most people don't realize is not only do you have these day-to-day responsibilities when we're at home. I mean, you're pulling 15-hour days for six days out of you know, six out of seven days of a week. But when the team is on the road, you're not only doing your normal work pregame with game notes and roster moves when the team is anywhere between 200 and 600 miles away which is really tough but you have to go home and then listen to my voice for three hours which probably stinks do social media and then write a game recap so you don't have a break when the team's on the road that's a 15 hour day was there ever a moment where it was just like kind of a crash course for you but like oh man like this is non-stop yeah and that's I think the biggest um change for me from 2019 uh, I would cover some of the games when we were on the road in 2019, but Shelby did a lot of that. And she handled all of, like the roster moves and everything. So I would get a lot more nights off or weekend, like true weekends when the team is on the road. Like you said, now my Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. You're laying on the hammock and listening to me. <laughs> I am. That's <laughs> pretty relaxing. That's so brutal. Oh, relaxing. I put you to sleep. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Okay. No. So that has definitely been an eye opener for me, um, covering games when the team's on the road and just always really being busy and trying to keep that communication with Marty again when I can't go out and talk to him, obviously, when they're on the road. Um, so that just, everything is just amped up a little bit more. But yeah, it was definitely an eye opener. Um, how busy I still was when the team was on the road. Yeah. I do have a little bit more downtime, um, but not much. So, What do you do during the downtime? I brought up golf. Um, you also try to go to the gym and work out some of that frustration. And well, what, what are some of the things you do to try to balance that time? 
Yeah, I'd say my biggest thing is working out. Um, I always try and go to the gym. Cue physical specimens. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, w- I would say I work out, but that'd be bold face. All lock. five, six of you is a would very be physical <laughs> specimen. But, no, but definitely spend time in the gym. Um, it's just a big stress relief for me, whether I'm stressed about work or just life in general. Um, I like spending probably an hour or so there, just relax and uh, take my mind off things, get away from the park a little bit. And then, yeah, like like we talked about earlier, I'm trying to take up golf this year. So I don't know if that makes me more frustrated, but I do try and go out and golf. Speaking of, I want to bring up a, uh, a moment that happened. I think it was our first road trip. And you're usually, and I will say this, you almost always are very diligent when it comes to sending out the roster on time and the game notes on time. But the one day, the one day you decide to go golfing, at, you know, it was after work hours, so it was fine, but we were on the road in St. Paul. Um, <laughs> the broadcaster media relations director for St. Paul is like, Where, where's the game notes? And I'm like, oh, I think Colin sent them to you. He's like, no, he didn't. So you get that phone call from me at 6 o'clock with a 7 o'clock game and say, hey, where's the game notes? You're on the golf course. What's going through your mind? Yeah, so I had it all planned out. I had sent everything. I was going to listen to the game through the golf cor- golf cart speakers. It was going to be great. Woodland Hills Golf Course, they have great golf cart, cart speakers and Bluetooth smart. They do, yeah. yeah. So I plan on listening to the game. Going home, I'd be done in time to write the recap, do all the social, everything. I had oh, you got it plan. all planned. Yeah, it was foolproof yeah. until I realized that the game notes didn't get delivered. So I swear to this day that I sent them. They didn't get, they didn't get sent somehow, some way. So, uh, yeah, I think I was on like the third or fourth hole trying to figure out how to send an email. I did not have good service. So, uh, yeah, fr- first week on the road, second week doing the job, it was a little bit stressful. And since then, I don't go anywhere without my laptop. So when I go work out <laughs> or go golf, my laptop is in my backpack. You're that guy. With me, yeah. So People I guess like, it was a what learning is lesson. he doing? Yeah, I guess it was a learning lesson, but... Uh, yeah, never go anywhere without your laptop if you're media related. So if you didn't have the laptop, then what did you just go back to the clubhouse and then you, you sent me the notes and then I forward them on. But how were you able to get that done off of a cell phone? You didn't have your computer. You didn't have the PDF file. How'd you get it done? Yeah, so I tried to log in to our email that I sent it from um, and tried to forward it to my personal email and then forward it to you from that email. As I said, I didn't have good service. Um, the phone was not very nice with the email yeah Yeah. exactly so it was all zoomed in i couldn't really tell what i was doing i think i forwarded you a blank document with nothing yeah it was great so but hey you know what we we made it through it (laughs) we're here to talk about it again so uh yeah everybody got their game notes and it was fine on a scale from one to ten how nauseous were you when you got that phone call from me definitely probably a nine and a half almost to the level of kimbrel day without shelby but it it was a little bit uh stress (laughs) stressful for sure well you were prepped for that all right final Segment of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Remember to listen to all past episodes and to see the schedule of new episodes. Make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. Uh, we talked about that snafu uh, on the golf course. It worked out. We lived to tell about it. I didn't kill you. We're fine. Um, as this year has gotten on and you've gotten more comfortable, uh, what are some of the things that you've enjoyed uh, from this season, whether it's players that have been here, whether it's games that we've had. Um, obviously, the, the Patrick Wisdom story is awesome. He comes here, he hits three home runs in two days, gets called up to the big leagues, and is doing a lot of that now. What are some of the things that, that you've enjoyed so far this season? Yeah, I think this year, more than more than I did in 2019, I've kind of seen like the purpose of us here at AAA. Um, as you mentioned, Patrick Wisdom, we've had Sergio Alcantara, Rafael Ortega, Cole Stewart, uh, Nick Corey, Martini, Corey Abbott, Corey Abbott, PJ Higgins. 
sixty percent of our offense. Yeah, a lot. So a lot of our roster has gone up to Chicago, and not only have they gone up, but they're helping them win games. Obviously, with Wisdom hitting seven home runs and ten starts. Um, so I think being able to see that, and it hasn't helped us much here on the field, but being able to see them go up and help, and saying like, "Hey, yeah, I saw that guy here. He hit three home runs in two games for us in Iowa." Um, and then also just the relationship with Marty, as I talked about, he's been great. Um, so getting to know him better and uh, having that line of communication with him and just what I can have communication-wise with the clubhouse has been great. Yeah, I, I think that what I learned like working in baseball is when you see guys get called up and then them kill it in the big leagues, like you don't want to be a fanboy and you don't want to be happy, but you naturally are. Like I remember when David Bodie was promoted in 2018 and he hit that home run against Ryan Madsen, the walk-off at Wrigley Field, and we were in New Orleans at the time. And the entire second floor of the hotel was, you know, iCubs players. And you could hear a collective roar throughout the entire hotel. Because I think we had, like, a getaway day the next day on a Monday. We were leaving for the airport at 2 o'clock. Nobody was, you know, going out at that time. Um, but you could hear a collective roar. You saw Wisdom here. You met him. Great guy. You see him go up to the big leagues and have the success that he does. That's probably a pretty cool feeling for you. Yeah, I've had, I mean, like I said, my dad's been trying to watch the games. They've been on ESPN. He's been texting me that he's recording the games and whatnot, but he was asking about him, and I have my best friend ask about him, and anytime he hits a home run, I text you about, like, hey, did you see what Wisdom did today? But And then I say, I guess, I'm guessing he hit a home run if you're texting me that. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so just being able to talk to people outside of the Iowa Cubs and then also within the front office and everybody's kind of seeing what he's doing on a bigger scale, um, it's pretty cool to have, as you said, that relationship built with him here and seeing him as a great guy and talking to him about his wife and new kid that was just born and all of that. Like, it's, it's really cool to have that backside. And that's what I love about this job is getting to know the players, like I said, on a more personal level and kind of getting to know them outside of just the sport of baseball and outside of the nine innings on the field, who they are off the field as well. Yeah, I want to bring that up because, I mean, you've talked to guys like Ian Miller and Andrew Romine for certain features that you're doing in the program, and you've had conversations with them. Yeah, I'll bring something up, just seeing – and you you brought it up perfectly, what they do off the diamond. You know, for example, Jason Hayward and Jake Marisnik. They were on Major League Rehab with the Iowa Cubs in Omaha. You know, what people don't see is during batting practice when Jason Hayward is taking three of our youngest players and taking them through, you know, a, a basically a virtual hitting lesson. Um, just t- talking about stances and approaches. And these guys have their eyeballs that are probably six times their normal size. I mean, they are so glued in. And for Hayward, you know, five-time Gold Glover, all-star to be able to, you know, have the, the the sight just to be able to, hey, these guys want my advice, I'm going to give them some, it is really cool. You know, the what they say is the the ritual for major league rehabbers is they're supposed to buy the pregame or the postgame spread for the team because they have the big league contract. These minor leaguers don't get great food. The major league rehabber is supposed to, not always, but supposed to buy the 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 pregame or postgame spread. Well, Jason Hayward did both, and you don't ever see that. Jake Marisnik, you know, bought bought a meal that was tremendous. Like I'm talking about, like five star type of food, and seeing these guys line up and, and go get their food with smiles on their faces. I mean, it's it's awesome. What kind of stuff from that have you seen here? Uh, in particular, your conversations with Ian Miller and Andrew Roman. At Roman, I know there's one story that Ian Miller that really sticks out to you. Yeah, I think it's similar to what we talked about with Kimbrel and Zobris sticking around and signing autographs for the fans. It's the same thing, but just the more clubhouse dynamic of those guys, like you said, that have been there and been in the big leagues. 
bringing that knowledge on to those younger players that are here. So in one conversation with Andrew Romine talking about how right now with COVID protocols, they don't have as much time. Um, it's more like strictly scheduled out what they can and can't do when they can and can't be here. Um, and he said using that time more like being more uh, aware of that time and using it wisely and taking every moment of that time teaching those younger guys a lesson. Um, he said when he was young, he would try and soak all that up, but there was a lot more time to do that. So every conversation they have now is super meaningful, yeah. um, a lot more dedication to that moment. But yeah, with Ian Miller, um, I had done an interview with him with a member of uh, media and um, we it was actually had, a student. It was the North. Yeah. It was a Northwestern. Uh, it was a grad graduate school program. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Northwestern had a bunch of graduate students come. They actually came to the game um, and they had some assignments to do um, articles. So they did different stories. On one did umpires, um, one did AAA life, one did just kind of the going up and down. And that was a conversation with Ian of just the um, technology that they use now that they didn't have when he first started playing. Um, we had a freak injury happen on the diamond when um, in the middle of that interview with Ian, and it kind of just rattled everybody on the field that was there. Oh, Every, rattled you, rattled me. I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, anybody, was anybody that was there on the field and saw that or just around the ballpark in general um, was just off after that. And so, as I said, that happened mid-interview with Ian Miller. Um, he walked further into the dugout and just tried to finish the interview and get through it. Um, later that night at, after the game, so this was before the game of batting practice that it happened. After the game that night at 11 o'clock or midnight, um, he texted me, went out of his way to text me and said, hey man, I didn't do all I could for that interview. My mind wasn't really there. Um, I was in a different place after that injury. Tell the guy that I did the interview with, I want to do it again tomorrow and kind of redo awesome, it. Man. Um, That's awesome. So, like I said, this happened before the game. After the game, two hours after the game, he was still thinking about it, thinking about how he didn't give his best. And he talked both to me and the, the student interviewing him about how he knows it's their jobs on the line too and he wants to do a good job for them. Um, he wants them to make their money essentially and do well in their career and he doesn't want to be the one to mess that up. So having that interaction with him, I was shocked. Like the fact that he was still thinking about it, that he cared that much. He took 15 more minutes out of his next day when the time is crunched and there isn't a lot of time um, just to do that interview and make sure he got it right. Uh, it was crazy. So I've never had an interaction like that um, I was super impressed. It was really cool to hear that. So That's awesome. I mean, that's something that I can't put a finger that I've seen on, in working in baseball for over a decade. You know why he's such a good guy? He's from Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. <laughs> m m m must be it. All right, uh, Colin, I got one final question before I, uh, I let you duck out of here. It's been an interesting year with COVID protocol, but also you know, on a, on a good note, the Iowa Cubs have their games on Marquee Sports Network. 14 of them. Um, and that has seemed to really catch steam. So not only are you doing media relations for the Iowa Cubs, but also promoting that relationship um, that Marquee Sports Network is nicely. They're, they're putting in more assets and resources and bringing in Elise Meneker here and, and bringing all of their digital media contingent here to you know, really sum up what those games mean to not only the Iowa community, but also Marquee Sports Network. What has that been like for you to see and help facilitate? Because we didn't have to deal with that in 2019. We didn't have a TV deal. Yeah, it's definitely been, an, again, a new experience this year. Um, it's been really cool, though, to see kind of the behind the scenes of how everything works. Um, I don't even know everything that's going on. But like you said, with Elise Miniker coming, um, interacting with her and trying to get her notes and caught up to um, speed on how the team's doing, what we're doing, so she can have a good broadcast. Um, that's been really cool. And again, just having those interactions is what I love. So 
meeting people that are behind Marquee Sports Network and meeting Elise and just having that that conversation with her and just being able to work with the people that you see on TV doing Cubs games every night has been really cool for me. Yeah, your cell phone must be astronomically high, your bill, this, this past, these past two months. But uh, you've done a great job. You were very nervous for this podcast. I could see you sweating now. I'm sweating because it's 90 degrees. Uh, but you did a great job, and your next step is to host an episode. So we, uh, we appreciate you joining us, Colin. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that was media relations manager Colin Connolly, or Conley as he liked to call, like Mike Conley, the basketball player. That's not how your name is spelled. It's Conley. Uh, but, but a fun episode of Unwritten Rules. Remember to listen to all episodes of Unwritten Rules, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or check them out online at www.iowacubs.com. Thanks for listening, guys.